The gospel comes to us from the 10th chapter of the gospel according to John. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I will lay down my life in order to take it back up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit who unites us in faith. Amen. As part of my leave-taking process uh, from serving as pastor of Cross of Grace, I'm passing along a large number of books to anyone who's interested. You saw them as you walked in. To determine which books to give away, I attempted a Marie Kondo-esque method of holding each and every book in my personal library, one by one, in my hand, and asking myself if that book had served its purpose in my life and if it was time to give it to someone else. I was caught off guard by the rush of sentimentality I experienced as I opened books and discovered names of people who had once owned them before me, ones who had passed it along to me. Several books were from pastors who have mentored me over the last 16 years since I started seminary. I came across some heavily underlined and notated books with stickers on the inside covers indicating that they once belonged to Pastor Fred Hubert. Other titles were from Chris Barrett, titles that I remember selecting from a box that he dropped off at church shortly before he died. It was a beautiful and cathartic experience to remember the various people who had passed the books on to me. This experience led me to consider what else in my life was once a part of someone else's life. I have a carving knife from one grandfather, a ring from the other grandfather, the piano in my house that my kids have learned to play on is the same one my mother learned to play on. I have a wooden shipping crate in my bedroom that my great-great-grandfather used when he sailed to the United States as an immigrant from Germany. 
Even the car I drive once belonged to my in-laws. I think that's, that's about it. After all, there's a bit of a stigma against giving someone something that you owned and used. We're happy to accept gifts from people, but generally we prefer them to be new, pristine, unwrapped. Anyone who's ever watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation might be thinking about great Aunt Bethany wrapping up her cat as a Christmas gift. Christmas wrapped cats aside, there is value, though, in giving something that you own to someone else. Hopefully you have things in your life that were owned by someone else, someone special to you, someone who gave them to you. Those items remind us of those people. Those items, in a sense, keep that person near if they are distant or alive, if they have died. In addition to the material objects, it's also important to notice and appreciate those immaterial things that have been passed on to us from others. You might embody a mannerism or a way of speaking that was characteristic of a parent. You might associate a restaurant or a particular food with a grandparent or a grandchild. You understand how to solve a problem because a teacher once taught you how to solve it. Your entire way of understanding the world has been influenced by countless environmental and cultural influences starting while you were still in your mother's womb and including what your favorite cable news channel told you to believe last night. See, the American ideal of a self-made man is a total illusion. No one has earned their lot in life solely because of hard work and determination. No one exists in a vacuum. Each of us have been guided to where we are today, molded into the people we are today because of the impact of others, for better or worse. And all this makes me appreciate the interconnectedness of all things of all people, which in turn helps me appreciate and feel more connected with Jesus. I know that Jesus can often seem like a distant figure, which I guess is a common issue for people who lived 2,000 years ago. However, consider that many historians talk about how they have come to reside, live alongside the historical figures about whom they have written after spending years immersed in that historical figure's speeches and personal letters, after studying everything already written about that person, even visiting the places that they called home. When you dedicate your life to learning and understanding someone, even someone who lived long ago, they can become very real for you here and now. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, has promised to be with us today. And we cannot conjure up 
Jesus' promised presence out of thin air like magic. However, our actions and our attitudes will determine the degree to which we can notice and feel Jesus' pervasive and promised presence. Jesus, taking the bread and the wine on the night of his betrayal, promised to be with all of his followers who ate the bread and drank the wine in remembrance of him. When we celebrate the Eucharist, we are made aware of the tactile and tangible presence and promises of God. Jesus taught his followers how to pray with the words many of us have come to know by heart. Our Father, who art in heaven. And when we pray the prayer uttered by Jesus we learn to rely on the God who promises abundance, forgiveness, love, and salvation. And Jesus taught us the importance of reading, learning, and meditating on the scriptures. Consider this fact. Jesus knew the 23rd Psalm, as many of you know it by heart. It's easy to forget that Jesus revered what we call the Old Testament. As a rabbi, he had the entire thing memorized. He saw his entire world through the lens of the Hebrew Scriptures. He felt connected to the presence of God as he read and meditated on Scripture. And in this season of Easter, where we celebrate the promised gifts of resurrection and eternal life, it helps to keep the events of Good Friday close to heart. So I want to invite you into a practice right now, where we will meditate on the 23rd Psalm, while also remembering Jesus' trial, his crucifixion, and his burial. So to start, begin by imagining or creating an image of Jesus. Might do well to recall that Jesus, contrary to popular opinion and artistic representation, was a Middle Eastern Hebrew, not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Scandinavian, chiseled athlete. So make sure your image reflects that. Probably even had short hair. So as you hold that image of Jesus in mind, you can close your eyes if it helps. Imagine him journeying through the events following his betrayal as he keeps the words of Scripture close to heart and on his tongue. Having been betrayed and tried as a criminal, Jesus said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Being tortured by the worst the world had to offer, Jesus knew, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Dying on the cross, Jesus believed. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And with Jesus' last breath, he confessed, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the scripture that Jesus held so dear find its way into your heart as the most precious hand-me-down imaginable. May the story of Jesus and the identity of God be made real to you in the scripture that has been passed down from generation to generation. And may your life be a God-molded gift that spreads hope and joy to others as well as to those who will come after you. Amen.